In this episode of And in Heels, we will be talking to Christina Madden. Hello, I'm Kelly Wagner, the host of And in Heels, where women entrepreneurs share real experiences that inspire, motivate, and educate each other about navigating business and life together, knowing that our journey is our own, but we are not alone. Christina is a speech-language pathologist and certified lactation counselor, as well as an entrepreneur who now owns Tampa Bay's premier pediatric therapy practice, Madden Therapy Solutions, as well as a healthcare coaching and consulting company, Madden Healthcare Solutions. Originally from New York, Christina went to college at Loyola University in Maryland, followed by obtaining her master's from Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston, South Carolina. She has worked exclusively in the medical arena since she started her career. She was the lead feeding and swallowing specialist in the hospital where she worked prior to opening her practice in February 2018. Her practice has now grown from a solo practitioner to 17 therapists and support staff. In 2021, she was named one of 100 women to know in America. In 2022, she was named one of the 40 under 40 by the Florida Business Observer. And in 2023, she was named Young Entrepreneur of the Year at BizX Nashville. Christina feels passionate about empowering women to take control of their lives and not be afraid to go out on their own and grow something really special and powerful. Something you may not know about Christina She was a trained opera singer for 12 years. Now let's get into today's discussion. Welcome, Christina. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited that you're here. So when we spoke before today, we got to talk a lot about your journey and I'm so excited for you to share it. But there is an area of your life you feel extremely talented about and it's not necessarily part of your business, but it's something that you're really passionate about. Please share that with us today as part of your introduction. Honestly, for lack of a better word, I feel like I'm an expert to some degree in people. I feel like I'm very talented clinically, and that's kind of what originally started my practice growth. But, you know, historically, despite being given some of those, you know, most medically complex cases, I think the reason that Madden Therapy has grown into what it is is kind of more than that and more than just the clinical talent. I think in order to be successful as an entrepreneur, but especially in the healthcare field, you really have to be able to read people and figure out what they're saying and what they really need in that moment beyond just what they're telling you in words. And to be able to adapt to that, I am a bit of a chameleon and speak to different patients, different employees differently based on what I think they need, you know, and figuring out, you know, how to get the most or make them get them the most benefit um, from what we're doing for them. So um, I thankfully think over the last five and a half years, I have a knack for finding and identifying the best staff to mesh with my crew and really create somewhat of a family, people that I think will carry on that same adaptability into our patients' lives. And I'm just so appreciative for them every day. I make sure I tell them how appreciative I am for them constantly. I always want them to know that they're really a huge part of the reason that we've continued to grow as we have. That's something that I believe in too. I think, you know, we're only as good as the people we surround ourselves by. Absolutely. Right. And and so, yeah, you just demonstrated that beautifully in, in everything you said. I so. have a dream team. So, <laughs> hey, that's all. You know what? And when you said hiring the right people and keeping around, I'm like, that's a talent in itself. Like sometimes as a business owner, that's one of my, I would say, biggest challenges because I don't consider myself a quote unquote HR person. Mm-hmm. So that's what I worry about. How do you how do you do that? Like what's is there a method you follow or is there a um there is, um, there is, and there isn't. So um, I actually uh, have a, a 
process called Through Hiring Steps okay. um, that I found through my business coach. Okay. And then in addition to that, I really go through several steps of interviewing people. Most of my employees, on, ironically, have found me organically through searches. And so I think that those are the people that look at the heart behind my website and our values and really that connects with them and that resonates with them. Maybe they're burnt out from being somewhere else. Maybe they've never worked anywhere else, but they're so passionate clinically about what we're doing that most of them at least have found me. And I will be straight honest. I hire a lot off of personality. And I always say like my staff is so amazing clinically. Like we can teach you clinical skill. We can't teach you how to get along with people and how to adapt to people. Boy, that's the truth. I've worked in, in companies before and you can teach someone a skill, but you cannot teach them how to be a people person. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. Love that. I totally appreciate 100%. that aspect. People are the hardest part of business. The hardest part. So your journey is an incredible one, and, and I can't wait to dig into the details of that and, and, and hear what you're going to share today. But you were in a hospital setting for 11 years. I mean, that was your passion. That was your goal. And then all of a sudden, one day you, you realized, maybe not in this way. So tell us about that realization and that journey. So as you mentioned, so I worked in the hospital system for about 11 years, different health, different health systems, different hospitals over those years, uh, three different ones actually. So I got to see a variety of how things were run and I felt really strongly about what I was doing. I felt really passionately about helping these families and the quality um, that I could provide them clinically. But I felt like at the end of those 11 years, I was just so burnt out, um, you know, just kind of squeezing blood from a stone. Just, I was so burnt out and I really felt like it was impacting my own quality of life, but also the quality of care that I could provide my patients. And I felt I had really maxed out where I could go professionally from a professional development standpoint. I was quite frankly taking on some of leadership's tasks, but not getting any of the perks for it. Um, <laughs> That's a bummer <laughs> when that so happens. <laughs> I really wanted to have more control over the kind of care that I could provide, get out into the community beyond just my nice, neat, perfect, you know, perfect scenario office and start to help these families solve real world problems, their real life problems and problem solve with them um, and really control what that care looked like and really provide an elevated kind of concierge level experience for those families because so much of what we do is so emotional. And so you decide to make this change. Now that's a big, you know, there's a lot of people listening that will go, my gosh, you know, that's a brave move because you, as you said, it was kind of comfortable. It was kind of convenient. It was in place. And then you decide, no, I'm going to upset the apple cart and I'm going to do something different because I'm going to follow my passion. What, what did that look like? Because that's, that's a, like, that's a story in itself. You just don't do it overnight, right? No, it's scary. I mean, yeah. you go from a full salaried, full benefits position, you know, lo love it or hate it, you know exactly what you're getting. To, it's comfort. Oh, exactly. Comfort. So you're really only being able to rely on yourself and it's, you know, the buck stops with me for all things. So, um, that is scary. That was something I thought about for a long time. You know, I talked with my husband about it for a long time. I worked seven days a week. Basically at the last few months in my hospital position, I started working seven days a week after work and on my days off um, to build up a caseload on the side for my own company so that at least by the time I left, A, I had some money banked and B, you know, cause that's obviously a huge concern for people so I could save some money and then so I could have a part-time caseload starting out. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, thankfully I think word of mouth and reputation grew and based on that caseload, I used out there just putting myself out networking doing parent talks whenever I could to get my name out there I said no to nothing I would go anywhere for the most part to try and build this and I think 
within you know i was entirely mobile when we, when i started and then oh. within a few months uh, i invested in an office space because I, I was full and i needed to be able to see more kids and then within a few months after that i had to hire my first employee um that's a scary step it is, too it was because so now you're was, responsible for someone else exactly and someone else is relying <laughs> on you so and she was a new yeah. grad and her name is taylor she is uh, essentially my operational manager at this point she is a, my right hand she's a godsend very nice um, but she found me fresh out of grad school and she was so passionate and had really a lot of the heart that I was looking for and was able to continue to grow this and you know really I'm not about romanticizing hustle culture by any sense but I certainly hustled for a while in the beginning to get this off the ground and I think there's a reality in that right Mm -hmm. so you brought up a couple great points that I want to go back and just recap so when you said I'm going to leave this comfortable corporate life you didn't say well I'm going to do it tomorrow I'm just going to give everything up no you had a plan you you worked extra hours you did side work you you built up a caseload you built up a savings it wasn't just overnight so i don't want people to think all these stories are like oh yeah that's something out of a movie that's never going to happen to me there was a lot of planning and hustle and sacrifice that went into that absolutely but when you did it it was worth all the sacrifice and the hustle and and the the planning absolutely you know those of you out there thinking i want to i want to take that leap it's not so much a leap it's more of a slow walk through a plan to get there. Right. But you have to make this decision to do it. That's the bottom line. Got to be thoughtful about it and you'll get out, quite frankly, what you put into it. And I, you know, I was willing to do whatever it took to make it work. And that's the key. So it's not always about, well, I'm going to work 20 hours a week. Fine, that can be your goal, but it may not be the first week you open, <laughs> right? I mean, it can be. And I'm not saying don't go after goal. your dreams. Yes, it is. But there are steps to this, right? For sure. So, you know, again, I don't want to romanticize it, as you said, because it is. There are some ugly parts to it. But there's going to be ugly parts in that comfortable job too. For sure. It's about what do you want to sacrifice to get to your real goal? And that's where you are today because Mm -hmm. of that change of of mindset you had. For sure. You know, we always have a motivational part in, in this conversation. And these are my favorite. Because I just love, I mean, not that you haven't been motivational already, because I mean, my gosh, you are, but you had a big motivator and a mentor during your success. So tell us about that. Um, One of my biggest mentors, I would say, is my father. My father has had a very successful career in finance and investment banking. I have zero business background, so um, I would run some of my ideas and business plans across him starting out into this day. We've grown so far beyond what I ever imagined. So, Which is awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. So I just yes. constantly am shifting the yeah. uh, goalpost, I guess. So um, I do talk to my dad a lot about, um, you know, run business ideas by him. And, you know, he's taught me a lot of things. As successful as he's been in business, you know, I saw him have to sacrifice a lot to get there when I was growing up but you know he also was a big proponent of kind of never taking yourself too seriously I'm a huge jokester I'm I love like, that you know, I'm, a, I'm very yeah. laughy and um, I think even with my staff I'm like a friend more of the time than I am a boss um, but I never take yourself too seriously and don't take anything for granted honestly I strongly believe it could be gone tomorrow you know life's too short yeah in, in all of our goals and all of our dreams and I think sometimes we just have to stop and say but what's it all for I love that right well kudos to your dad <laughs> And to you for taking his advice, because some people wouldn't be willing to do that. And I motivate myself a lot, you know, like I say this, you know, it sounds cheesy, but I'll bet on myself 100% of the time. You know, I had a person ask me recently, like, what's your biggest motivator? Like, what gets you out of bed in the morning? And I feel like, you know, I'm, I guess part of it is motivated by ego, but really myself, no one's going to out hustle me. I think I can do anything. I'll bet on myself. I'm not going to fail. I'll do what it takes. No, it's that mindset. 
that we need to talk about someday <laughs> and how you got there because that's gold, right? Like if you believe in yourself, you can do anything. Yeah. You're the only one telling you you can't right. normally. And so that's a whole nother episode, but we are going to do that one in another <laughs> season. Trust me. I didn't always feel that way. I think I shift. I, <laughs> okay. I struggle with anxiety a lot. So I think okay. I struggled in the beginning with some of the ups and downs that naturally comes with like, oh God, I have these people depending on me and we're going to fail when we're in a lull yeah. to now we don't have those as much anymore. But even when we do, like when I hire new people, which they're taking a chance on you when you're a small sure. business. Sure. And I say to them, you know, like, no, this train has left the station and we're just going to keep going. Like, it's just going to keep growing. That. Like I'm not, no one's stopping me. Love that. And we all need Christina in our minds for that because there are days where that's hard, right? So you have, you know, we all have moments in our lives that are trying, challenging, sad, depressing, opposite of what you're describing today, right? (laughs) And you had that as, as a young person and it's painful to talk about, but I think for the benefit of the audience, know that this strong minded you know, determined Christina today hasn't always been that. And so that was a journey. So tell us about that. So I went through some struggles early on in like middle school when I was around 11. In school specifically, I really went through a tough time with bullying and really, really struggled in school, went through some really dark times. And I remember in school basically being essentially a social leper, right? A social outcast. And I mean, we all know kids at that age can be so difficult. Um, And... I just remember my parents are very big proponents of independence and self-sufficiency, which is wonderful. But, you know, it also meant that to whatever extent, they knew things were going on, but I don't know that they knew the whole extent of it. And so, you know, at 11 years old, I basically remember being in a very dark place and realizing like, no one's coming for me. No one's coming to save me. I have very vivid memories at 11 with laying on my kitchen floor with my dog, who at the time I think I thought was basically my only friend. Um, And I remember hugging my dog and saying a prayer to God to just not let me wake up in the morning um, because I couldn't do it again. I didn't want to go to school the next day um, and I couldn't face it. And that's a lot for an 11 year old to carry. Um, And I just remember thinking like, I don't know how I can do it again. And also thought though, you know, realizing no one's coming for me, I kind of had to pick myself up. And I was like, you know, I always held faith like tomorrow, proverbial tomorrow will be better. Mm -hmm. The sun will shine again. Fortunately, a few years later, I was able to go to boarding school uh, in Connecticut uh, at Kent school. And it really changed my life. And I created a whole new life there essentially with a new family of friends that were wonderful people. And I was able to start singing more. Singing's always been really important to me, Uh, music. So I started singing a lot more. I was involved in theater there and in plays got really involved in that I had wonderful friends there and I think that going through that as hard as it was and as much of me as it shaped and as an adult and it has I always held faith that I would be stronger for it and I think that as a result I came out a kinder and more compassionate person for my friends for my patients as hard as it was and I wouldn't wish it on anybody I am at the end of the day very grateful that I went through it because I think I'm better for it you know, those experiences that you don't want to wake up from or, you don't, you know, you, don't, you definitely don't want to relive again. Sometimes I think in hindsight, because during during those, it's real hard to get clarity on, on why it's happening. But they do make us stronger. You know, for those of you out there right now that are struggling or, or you know, heard Christina's story and your heart clinched like mine did and, you know, I wanted to go give her a hug, but I would mess up my <laughs> microphone and, and I'd get in trouble. But it's those stories, though, that make us stronger in the end. And thank goodness, though, as an 11-year-old, you had the insight to not give up. Thank God. And your dog was there as your support. <laughs> thank God. I have three dogs, so I know the feeling. But 
you know, thank goodness you're who you are today. And God bless the bullies that did that to you. And I hope in their lives that they have found happiness somewhere. Cause that's mm-hmm. obviously what they were lacking when they were doing that to mm-hmm. you. So we're going to wish them wish that them they well. found something better. Yep. Cause I sure did. So it's okay. And that's, and that's what really matters. Yep. That's what really matters. And, and, you know, as, as much as faith carried you through that and, you know, you're on the other side, you're going good. You're at boarding school. Things are on the uptick. You're successful. You go to, you know, undergrad and med school. And then age 34, my gosh, another tragedy in your life. Yeah. So um, basically I left my full-time job in February of 2018. Um, and in March of 2018, I had a TIA, which is essentially a mini stroke. I was sitting with a patient actually. Um, and it, thankfully it was at the end of the session. And as I was sitting there, I, I felt very distinctly like a wet feeling creep up the left side of my body and my arm and then it turned to pins and needles and then I went to ask my patient a question and my speech came out all slurred um and I was having some vision issues now I'm a speech pathologist I knew what this meant so <laughs> I <laughs> which knew is immediately scary. which is scary which is scary like you just diagnosed yourself in the uh-huh. moment you in have a, somebody sitting in front of you mm-hmm. yeah um, oh my gosh. You know, I had no underlying conditions. I had nothing going on. You had so no symptoms, nothing, nothing to forewarn you that in this moment, no. your life was going to change again. No. So 34 years old, that happens. Thankfully, I made a quick recovery, went to the hospital. I spent five days in the hospital here ruling out if there was something that we didn't mm-hmm. know. Ultimately, they determined actually that it, they thought it was a um, blood clot from birth control pills. Wow. Um, that okay. had done it. And so... I mean, you hear those things, mm-hmm. but... You n- never think you, right, right? Right, I remember being in the hospital and doctors peeking their head around the corner. I mean, I'm certainly by decades the youngest person on the stroke unit. Right. And right. doctors kind of peeking their head around the room divider and mm-hmm. like, is this right? Is the birthday right? Are you supposed right? to be like, here? Are you in yeah. the right place? Yeah, no, and you know, never. You hear those things on commercials. You never think that's going to be me. No, and I think sometimes in those cases, we think we're so invincible, like, oh, those side effects could be someday to one in a million. What are the chances? Yeah, I mean, you know, it just has, if nothing else taught me, like, health has to take priority. You got it. Never take anything for granted. You know, here I am, just started my own business. I'm on By a, a month? I'm on a high I from mean, that. Gosh, right, yeah. a month ago. I'm on a high from that. I'm going a million miles a minute trying to grow it to literally sitting with my husband in the ER, like my relatively new husband, you know, telling him, if this goes downhill, please go on without me. This is what really, uh, you know, and unfortunately, you were more educated about about it than most. So you knew what it could potentially mean, which is even more fright, I guess, good and bad in in the same right, right. So oh my gosh, you get over that. (laughs) You you know, you're on to the successful practice. And we are here today. But one of the most important things I think we carry through with us and what I've learned through coaching and networking and I do a lot of reading and watching, you know, educational videos online is we can only learn by experiencing teachings from other people. We cannot teach ourselves more than we know today. It's just not possible without some kind of resource. So what are those resources you rely on to continue to educate and grow personally and professionally? Sure. So I um, listen to a lot of audiobooks just because I'm on the go a lot. So in the car, I'll listen to a lot of audiobooks. Love Audible. It's yeah. like my favorite Audible, thing. I live and die by it Audible. Is. So um, as well as reading regular books, um, my business coach, Tony, sets me up with a lot of recommendations business-wise, and then I found some of my own. So for example, like anything motivational really speaks to me. And you know, obviously, I've got a pretty good mindset mm-hmm. most of the time. No one's got a great mindset all the time, but... Um, we all need a little boost. Exactly. So anything motivational, um, I read a lot of books. I, Atomic Habits is one of them that just helped me try and 
and create, you know, because I, I think, love that book. yeah, I think some things yeah. seem so overwhelming and he talks a lot about habit stacking. And so if you mm-hmm. make little changes over time, that can be really helpful in trying to set just a new course of your life and these little incremental changes that can have big results. I really enjoyed Ed Milet's book, The Power of One More. Um, he's just, I think Good. I listen to him on Audible and I just think he's a great speaker anyway, yeah. but just kind of everything he says, I just think, you know, his whole concept of one more blank can make such a difference and one more just trying call, one, one more, more time, email, you know, one more exactly. patient, one more CEU, whatever it is. Exactly. Yes. You know, I think the, so that kind of power of one more, whether, you know, in that you listen to whatever that one more is can make such a difference. And I think also in believing in yourself, like, oh, okay, well that's stunk, mm-hmm. but you know, let me try this one more time. This will be, you know, this is my shot. Yeah. And it's a good, it's a good way to hype up. You know, I listen to a lot yeah. of these things in the car and I get out yeah. and I'm like, yeah, what's my next business going to be? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Music is one of those things too. You ever find that song that you're like, okay, I can do anything now. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yes. And then I think in my field specifically, now that's yeah. in business ownership. I think yeah. in my field specifically, um, you know, I'm in healthcare. So I think for me, take every educational opportunity you can. I think if you're an entrepreneur in the healthcare space, you have to be an expert in something, right? Mm-hmm. Make yourself different. So what makes you different? Why would people come to you over anything else? I think, you know, for example, my company is known, we specialize in feeding and swallowing disorders, which not many mm-hmm. practices do, especially outside the hospital setting. So I've taken, God, close to every feeding and swallowing course out there. You know, we do a lot with tongue ties and myofunctional therapy, which is a really hot topic right now. You know, I'm myself and my staff take every educational opportunity we can to better our skill in that area. You know, and I think it's so much better to me you know it seems like you're narrowing your patient focus and maybe narrowing opportunities but I think if you make yourself different what makes you stand out what's your unique you know unique advantage why would they come to you then you make yourself stand out as an expert in that area and that's what's going to draw people to you one of my you know videos that I watched recently because I like to watch YouTube videos about business practices and one of them was are you in it to play Mm -hmm. or are you in it to win Mm mm-hmm you got to decide because if you're playing, you're keeping up with the competition. You're doing what they're doing. You're doing as good, but are you in it to win? Right. Which is fine. And that, it's a big difference. It's a though. big difference. I have plenty of people that come to me and it's their side thing. I have a That's lot okay. of people that come to me trying to grow their private practices or just ensure it's success as a right. solo act, right. solo practitioner. I want to make sure I can pay everybody. Exactly. Yes. And that's fine. But I've adjusted my goals for the last five and a half years, you know, umpteen times. Yep. And if you want to win it, you know, that's, you've got to stay focused. And, and that's a different level different. of mindset and, mm-hmm. and education and growth and discipline and all of the things you've talked mm-hmm. about. Although that's something we're going to get to in a minute. You have a really <laughs> unique way to organize. And that's um, something I want you to talk about. Because when you said that to me, I'm like, it's so simple, but yet it has to be consistent. So tell us about that. In the past, I had a hard time. Uh, figuring out how to get everything done, right? We have, I have a never-ending to-do list. I'm always multitasking. I've got a zillion things on my mind, um, constant lists on my phone. And so basically, I read this book, Eat That Frog, uh, when I fr- probably... Another good one. Yeah, another good one. And it's a quick read. It's a good read. Um, and I actually have encouraged my staff to read it as well mm-hmm. because basically one of the lines I took away from that book, it says, you will never have enough time to do all the things you have to do. And that really resonated with me because I'm always so scared of something falling through the cracks, dropping the ball, perfectionism, getting it all done, yeah. right? I, I, everything fell on me. It all has to get done. So what I did to kind of stay on top of myself and make sure I'm getting to the most important things is I have to prioritize. I delegate some things, but basically every 
every evening before the next day, I make myself what I call my MI5 list, which is your most important five tasks for the next day. And I label them A, B, C, D, E. So I know that when I have chunks of time calendared out, I have to get to A first, then I get to B, then I get to C. So I make sure I'm tackling quote unquote, the frog, the biggest thing, you know, the uh, most important things the next day and that that's not falling through. Cause I think all of us can fall victim to, well, this yep. one task is going to take me two hours, but I can accomplish these 10 yep. that'll only take me five minutes. And that can be really alluring, but then your huge task, it's two weeks later and it's still not done. Well, in setting those priorities, that's beautiful because, you know, do we ever, and I know, you know, some of the listeners are going to have this, you go to bed with this list in your mind and it's just like the scrambled mess. <laughs> and then you get up and it's even more scrambled. Sure. And then you get to your desk and what's the first thing we do when we get to our desk? It's not start to tackle those priorities. Let's check our email. For sure. Then let's check social media and then let's do this. So it's controlling your mind and your time with these lists of priority and not letting yourself check email or do the things until A is done. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you can check email for 15 minutes yep. and then do like control your calendar. Don't let your calendar control you. Yep. I have so to put I my phone that. across the room half the time because I between patients that. and employees contacting me, if I have a big project, I'm like, I can't even be accessible right now. You would never get it finished. Yeah, exactly. I love that. So demand respect for your own time. Yeah, for sure. That's really and what schedule that's about. It in. And I love that. And schedule it in. So many of us, including me, need to take that every day and do that because I found myself doing that today. I had a bunch of stuff to prepare for podcast recording today because there were some things that had gone technically wrong in a past episode. And I'm like, okay, we got to get this fixed. I spent two and a half hours on that. I literally had to ignore my phone because I'm like, if I keep answering emails, I'm never going to get this finished and I have a deadline. Absolutely. So this is a daily practice of that. Mm -hmm. Think how much more you'd accomplish if you were following this. I love mm -hmm. that. All right. So final thought for the day. You obviously are a people person. We've <laughs> talked about that more than once, despite what you've gone through. But you have a golden takeaway I want you to share. So I believe so strongly in this. I really think if I can share anything, if you have employees, if you're growing a business, take care of your people. I love that. Take care of your employees. They are the ones you need in order to continue to successfully grow. You know, make sure they know they're appreciated, that you're not squeezing blood from a stone, that you're not just kicking back on your butt while mm -hmm. they're working their butts off for you, you know? Pay them. <laughs> Pay yeah. them what they deserve. I think it'll come back tenfold. I think happy employees, they want to do a better job, they work harder, and then you've got happy customers, you got happy patients in my case. And your employees are the ones that are helping get your name out there and helping continue to grow. You want your, not only your patients to be your biggest fans, you want your employees to be your biggest fans and buy into what you're off, buy into your vision so that you're all on the same train, right? So take care of your people. That's like a family. We spend more, how much time do we spend at work? You know, a so lot. So much more, yes. Exactly. So I really believe my employees are one of the greatest gifts of my life and I'm so appreciative for them and it's so important for me that they know that. Love that. Everybody take that advice from Christina. I think that... <laughs> That is the key to business success and lead instead of manage. What you're showing there is leadership for your team, respect for your team. They'll respect you. And then it, it's a trickle down effect mm -hmm. and it will improve your business. Mm -hmm. Christina, it has been amazing having you here today. I know we just touched the surface of the incredible you. Um, so you'll definitely have to come There's back. There's more episodes. There is, there <laughs> is. You're going to have to come back and be on another season. Thank you for being on And in Heels. And I can't wait to have you on uh, the next time. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed this episode of And in Heels, share it with a female entrepreneur who is seeking the life they set out to live when they started their business. As we bring season one of the And in Heels podcast to a close, we are overwhelmed with gratitude for the incredible journey we've shared together. 
Throughout this season, we've had the honor of connecting with numerous inspiring female entrepreneurs and business owners just like you. It has been a thrilling experience to witness the unyielding determination that drives you to succeed while bravely embracing your vulnerabilities to show the world that we are never alone in our struggles. Looking ahead, we are thrilled to announce that season two of And in Heels will be arriving in the fall of 2023, and it's going to be bigger and better than ever before. Brace yourself for a new and exciting video format that will bring even more unforgettable and life-changing stories and interviews straight to your screen. So keep believing in yourself, pursuing your dreams, and fearlessly conquering new heights. And just remember, women can do anything and in heels.